You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. After six days off, the Indiana Pacers took on the Golden State Warriors Wednesday night in Indianapolis. With the time off and the Warriors being on a back-to-back, the fourth game of a road trip, it seemed to be a recipe for success for this Pacer team, a nice chance to get a win against a tired team. They held Seth Curry in check. He had just 24 points for the MVP candidate, who usually is averaging about 30 a game. They held the Warriors to just 5 of 26 from three. But none of that was enough, as the Pacers were slightly out-rebound, had slightly more turnovers, shut just as bad from three, 7 of 29, and lost to the Warriors 111-107. Pacers' leading scorer was Malcolm Brogdon with 24 points, and Demondis Bonus had 22. Off the bench for the Pacers, Jeremy Lannan had 9, and so did TJ McConnell. For the Warriors, outside of Steph Curry's 24, they had 15 from Andrew Wiggins, 17 from Kelly Oubre, and off the bench, Eric Paschal had 13 points for them. Welcome in the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman, as all of them wonderful show. Today's podcast, I'm going to break down the Pacers' 111-107 loss to the Warriors. I'm going to talk about Duane Sabonis' all-star snub and why I actually think he should have made the all-star team based on the players that made it over him. But I want to start with what I think was some of the worst three minutes of basketball I've seen from the Pacers, or at least when it came to clutch performance this season. So at the 4:36 mark of this game, the Pacers were down by one point, trailing 99-98. to 98. At this point, you seem like a close back-and-forth game. Probably Pacers have a shot, you would think. The next six plays, the Pacers made just one shot. A Doug McDermott three out of a timeout. A great, actually, play call, ultimately. Inside that sequence, they had... A missed three by Turner, a missed three by Sabonis, a missed three by Brogdon, a, a Sabonis turnover, and another missed by McDermott. It was the reason they lost this game. While they could not make a shot for a nearly three-minute stretch, the Warriors extended their lead from 99-98 to 105-98 and pretty much put this game away. The issue I have is the Pacers and Warriors combined were having one of the worst three-point shooting nights any two teams that had this season, right? At the end of the night, they would combine to be 12 of 55. So that gets you a little bit over 20%, like just slightly. The Pacers themselves had, by this point, I think are probably, I think they're 6 of 24. I mean, the three-point shot is not falling for anybody. We're in a close game, and the Warriors are running plays at the end of this game to get to the rim. They're getting fouls. Curry's getting foul calls late in the game by, you know, doing Curry things. They're running cuts for... Eric Pascal or Kevon Looney. I mean, the, the, the Warriors were doing were realizing they couldn't make a three and going to the rim. Pitch on the other hand, we're not doing that. Uh, their whole fourth quarter, there's a lot of sequences where the shot clock got ran down too low and they couldn't get an easy enough shot. Uh, but to me, when you have when you're this close with this little time, this is when you finally go to like maybe the what would quote unquote inefficient play, right? The Sabonis in the post. But go to the play, go to the bread and butter. Stop going to these three point shots. That aren't falling. I mean, my, my biggest pet peeve with this Pacers team at the end of games is they take too many threes. Um, the team is not a bad three-point shooting team, but they're not great, and they have one of the best post players in this game, and Sabonis. They have a really good pick-and-roll setup with Sabonis and Brogdon. I know uh, we've talked about in the past on podcasts how it's been a little down compared to last year, but overall, it's a good play. And certainly, if you want to get McDermott a three, or Justin Holiday a three, or even I'm okay with a Miles Turner three here and there because of the percentages, that makes sense. But when you have Sabonis taking threes and Brian taking threes in these really rough sequences, it's not it's not worked at the end of games. Very often. I mean, very often. It's worked a few times, but it's more of a bailout than actually a success. 
And the thing I, I noticed in the game is they just they just went away from that. There was not a lot of post play. And you would think in a game where you're just trading baskets, that's what you got to do. And then you hope your defense steps up, right? Uh, Turner stepped in for Jeremy Lamb about the, I think, around the five-minute mark, around the time this kind of run happened. And you would think, but Turner in the game, because you replaced Lamb, the thought was Lamb could not keep his defender, in, or, or, yeah, could not keep his the offensive guy he was guarding in front of him, essentially, on defense. I mean, Lamb, Lamb is struggled all year with his defense so you bring turner in to kind of stabilize that right the problem is when you have turner and mcconnell you've got two sort of not you know let's call them mcconnell a minus and turner a exactly average shooter so it makes the court smaller and harder but they need to go to the rim they need to draw some fouls they need to do something i mean it, they were so out of sync at the end of this game it it was bad i mean it, it it was a it was a really rough three minute stretch for a game they should have been able to win right the with all the circumstances that were going on they had so many days off. Maybe that was bad. Maybe it's better to play every few nights. But the Warriors were on this end of road trip. They're on a back-to-back. Like this should be a game you should be able to win just because you have the higher energy, right? And and it still, they're settling for these twenty-six foot shots. They couldn't hit from the hit all night. So why would they hit him in the last three or four minutes? I mean, it, it's just the clutch play on this team has been rough this year. Um, I ran the I ran it through NBA.com real fast. So they rank. In overall clutch play in terms of net rating, they are a minus nine and a half net rating clutch play that ranks twenty third in the NBA. Um, like some of the teams below them are Boston, Minnesota, Miami, Detroit, the Clippers, the Wizards, and the Hawks. Right, so one of those teams is good, the Clippers. So it's not this is not the greatest stat, but a more telling stat is the turnover percentage that they have at the end of the games. They routinely rank higher. I think they are in twenty seventh in turnover percentage at the end of the games. They're nearly. Nearly one out of every eight plays they run in the last five minutes in a five-point game or less, they're turning over the ball, which is a really high rate. Um, the Pacers ranked dead last in rebound percentage at the end of the games. They in these clutch moments, they are they are one of the worst clutch teams I've seen this year. They're eight and ten in, in games where there's within five points in five minutes or less, right? And two of those are like crazy. I, mean, I guess there's that one New Orleans and crazy comeback. I mean, they, they've had to pull games out of their butt basically in the end of games a couple times, and so they, they're just a bad clutch team. And I'm not sure where you pinpoint that on. I mean, you pinpoint the fact they don't have a completely healthy roster. Um, their best clutch player of the past five years has been Victor Oladipo, and he's no longer on this team either. So that, that's also something. Um, he's always been a really good clutch player, and that was what made him, I think, weirdly more valuable than Pacer fans gave him credit for at times. Uh, especially towards the end, end of his run where it seemed like he was a little bit selfish. But I think ultimately his clutch play was really, really good. But it is a bad clutch team, and it, it, it's something that's probably going to plague this team I would guess the till they get at least one of those starters back, if not both. Uh, but yeah, I mean they they essentially obviously lost this game in the last three minutes. I mean they, they didn't play great all night, but uh, considering the way it was going, both teams were just kind of struggling from the field. It was just kind of one of those games. You know they had you know they had a shot and they should have been able to pull someone away. They should have been able to have a little more energy than the Warriors, but the Warriors seemed to have more energy than them, which I was just kind of surprised by by a team that six days off and a Warriors team playing on a back to back. But you know. The NBA, each night's hard to get a win, so that's what happens. There were some things, though, I like from this game. I'm not going to be all negative. Uh, so I'm going to talk about that next. But first, today's Locked on Pacers podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are all in full swing. BetOnline has you covered for things like uh, future bets, 
game. Game bets, money line bets, parlays, whatever you want, they have it all covered. They even cover things like awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on anything you can imagine. So not just NBA props, not just NHL props, but like these random props from, you know, random reality TV, things like Bachelor and stuff like that. I'm not a big Bachelor fan, but I know Tony is. But online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place all your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile phone. You can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. It's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 50% welcome bonus. Go to betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. The number one thing I liked from tonight's game was the Pacers' ability to guard point guards. They are I don't know where it ranks. I'm mainly his eye test, but they are a very, very good team at guarding point guards. I mean, they have held guys like Trey Young, Steph Curry tonight, Damian Lillard. I mean, they can hold a team that's dominated by a guard in check. Uh, they did a really good job throwing a ton of different looks at Steph, different defenders. I mean, you had Brogdon, you had Holiday at times, and then you switched it up, and they did a box and one, and they double teamed him and all kinds of stuff to force ball his hands, and he struggled. I mean, Curry had a had a a good, I guess what you call like stat line, 24 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. But this is a guy, an MVP candidate who is, you know, a 50, 40, 90 shooter. And tonight he was a 33, 10 and 90, which is pretty solid, right? I mean, holding a guy carry under 30 points is a win every time, right? And it, it did lead to some other things, right? They, they, they overemphasize on Curry, which led to some easier baskets for guys like Green or even Oubre or even somebody like um, Pascal, who was kind of cutting and got, got a lot of dunks inside three feet. But they did a really nice job sort of not letting Steph beat them. Steph also didn't just – he just couldn't make a three, and I don't know what that just was fatigue or whatnot. That helped them a little bit. But uh, they are really good, I think, at confusing and kind of throwing multiple looks at a guard and trying a bunch of different, like, defensive schemes and seeing what works. Um, and, you know, Bjorkman has a lot of uh, experience trying to – confused Steph he did in the NBA Finals in 2019 when he was with the Raptors so this is like a thing of his but it gives me some encouraging signs that when this team finally gets to full health that they can keep continue that kind of weird kind of defense with even even better guard defenders right you bring a guy like Karras or Warren who's just better in perimeter than the guys that are playing tonight when they have you know McDermott out there they can almost throw three or four guys out a good team with the guard um I love to see how it looks when they play against like a really good forward like I'm thinking the Celtics right a guy like Jason Tatum how do they how do they throw different looks at him and whatnot Tatum had killed them was second and third game of the second, third game of the season. He killed them with like a forty point night. Um, and I guess they'll see Tatum on Friday, so we'll see what they do there. But I, I do think the defense from this team is it's different in a way that is that gives me courage for a playoff series because I think that's the biggest thing is these night to night games. They got kind of they kind of stay at five hundred, right? The league is pretty average right now when you look at like past the top three. It's a bunch of teams kind of all in the same kind of clump. Um, basically from 10 to 4. The Celtics right now are the 9 seed. Yesterday they were the 5 seed. So it's a big clump of teams in that spot. So they got to kind of keep pace 500, 500, 500 throughout, um, which I think they can hopefully do. The Pacers are pretty good at doing that. They're actually a much better road team, which they, you know, they got a road trip coming up, so that's actually a, a good sign. But I'm encouraged that they're willing to try some different things, so you will see different things in the playoffs, and maybe Brooklyn's getting kind of an idea of what works and what doesn't work and stuff like that. So, um, you know, the, a good coach can use the regular season to experiment to figure out what's best to run in the playoffs. I mean, that's kind of uh, out of Milwaukee. That's Budenholzer's worst case thing, right, is he kind of ran the same thing every year, and it led to 65 wins, but then they were stale by the time they came to the playoffs. This year, he's experimenting a little more, and that's why there's some more hope in Milwaukee, I think, than in previous years because 
This year especially, seating's not going to matter a ton. I mean, there might be some fans, but ultimately they're going to be half-capacity stadiums, stuff like that. So um, I guess maybe being in your home bed is, an, is, is a nice thing, and we saw that kind of with the NFL, right? I think Tampa Bay probably wants Super Bowl partially because they were basically at home all two weeks. But ultimately, because of um, COVID and whatnot, there's not going to be this like huge emphasis on like, being on a, on a road game in the playoffs versus a home game. And that's why you see the Pacers are 8-5 and five on the road because it's just not as hard to play on the road this year as it has been in, in past years, obviously. Um, the other thing I liked from tonight's game was I thought Devontae Sabonis had a nice little uh, I should be an all-star kind of kind of slam. Um, I'll talk more about that at the end of this show, but 22-16-4, pretty solid night for him. A little too many turnovers um, for my liking, but um, he continues to be the guy just holding up this team. I mean, I'm sure So he was a plus two in the box, plus minus, so that maybe will help his net rating a little bit, um, but they need him. I mean, they need him so much. He is... He is what's holding. He's the glue holding the offense together at times. Um, you know, McConnell. I thought also had a really nice time having four steals. He continues to be just a pest. Uh, I think the end, end of the first quarter, Steve Kerr said like the team had to basically watch McConnell getting those kind of inbound steals, and he got another one late in the game. So, and then he drew that foul on Curry that kind of kept him alive very late. So, McConnell's a nice pest. I mean, I'm excited when this team can finally settle with McConnell playing like 22 to 25 instead of 27 minutes, but. Um, I thought he played good. The worst thing, I mean, obviously it was a clutch play, I thought, but I thought Miles Turner didn't have a great night. Um, finished with 14 and 8, which isn't terrible, two blocks, but 4 of 13, 1 of 5 and 3. Obviously, he makes another 3 or 2. They they probably win this game. That's kind of how it is most nights. Um, but I don't think it's like worth harping on him too much. I mean, he is kind of a, a prisoner of the moment, right? Or the prisoner of kind of the what's going on out there at, at any given moment, I guess. And what I mean by that is, you know, he gets like, he plays all the four. I think he played most of the third quarter, but then sat at the beginning of the fourth and then comes back. And it's just like, I don't know. I feel like he's not getting a, like, like a, he's being very like jilted runs out there and comes in cold with 436 left or whatever it was or five minutes left and has to kind of come in and, and shoot. And most of the shots, it, it isn't falling for him. But, um, you know, I, probably the starters, he had the worst night, but that's because the other four guys had a pretty solid night. Um, Considering I thought Holiday's, Holiday's defense was pretty decent, and I thought McDermott, uh, you know, when he scores more than 10 points, it's kind of a plus, right? The, it's kind of an expectation, right? The Turner thing is, like, you could expect a little more from him, and that's probably the issue. But, I, I mean, I think they lost the game because it's just bad clutch play at the end of it. When it comes into it, they just had some bad sequences of plays at the end of this game, and that was that's kind of the reason they, they lost this game. All right, so let's do this. Let's take one more break, and then I want to talk about why I think DeMontis Sabonis should have made the All-Star game based on who made it. But first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is also brought to you by rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto park customers online for over 20 years. If you go to rockauto.com right now, you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need, engine control modules to brake parts, to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate, quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are reliably low, and the same for professionals or do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And when you buy something there, write the write locked on in the how do you hear about us box so that we they know that we sent you. Main selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So if you had asked me Monday, 
I would have said, oh, Sabonis won't be an all-star because there are just too many good players in his way. And I was kind of right about that. I mean, I'm not 100% wrong on that one. But my issue is, of the guys who made it, he probably should have got in over one or two of them. So, um, so Julius Randle, you know, is having a great year and probably is closest case case to Sabonis, especially because the Knicks are, have a good record, right? The Knicks are, I believe, as we speak, are the eight seed um, in the East. And I guess the record didn't really matter. But, uh, you know, if you look at Randall's stats compared to Sabonis, they're about comparable. Um, we actually did it on Sunday's podcast because Pacers are playing the Knicks on Saturday. But Randall's averaging 23 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists on 47, 41, 81 shooting. Uh, Sabonis is 21.5 points on 11.5 rebounds, 5.7 assists, 53%, 36%, 71% shooting. So Randall probably a little bit better hard stats, slightly. Um, but Sabonis is on the better team. That's kind of what I'm kind of confused by. The Patriots are a top four seed, and it seemed like all the teams below them in, this, in the standings got a, got a guy, right? It makes up the heat, right? So the Bulls got Levine. The Knicks got Randall. Those got two players. Now, when they voted to look for the five seed, now they're not. So that's another thing. Um, and maybe record shouldn't matter. He didn't, didn't get anybody in this roster. So there's also that. And But, you know, it bit have been Bam, Jimmy Butler. I mean, I'm even kind of mad about the James Harden one just because I think Harden didn't play enough in the East. And does he deserve to be an all-star after, you know, basically tan- throwing a tan- tantrum getting pushed, you know, get traded and whatnot? Maybe. But I get why I did. Tatum and Brown, I kind of get both. They're having great years. So I understand that one. Even though the team, that team is not very good right now. Um, but the Randall one also makes it, it's, it's the blue one that gets me right. The before even this, this, you know, we've had the day, a couple days of the standings chain, the magic were terrible. I mean, they're 13 and 19. They are not a good team. Um, if you were going to put Vucevic, you might as well put Trey Young in the game. I mean, I know there's probably positions wise, so you could do that, but Trey Young's having, if not better stats than Vucevic, you're 27 points a game versus Vucevic 23. But like Vucevic has... Arguably worst worst stats than Sabonis, right? So he has more points, same amount of rebounds, but less assists. And if you do, if you combine the points, rebounds, assists, you get about the same for both guys. He's shooting worse from the field, slightly better from three, slightly better from the free throw line, right? But Vucevic's team is thirteen and nineteen, while Sabonis's is fifteen and fifteen. One's the four seed, and one is the nine. I think one is not the nine. One's the eleven seed in the East. That's a different. That's a big difference, right? I think if you had said, "Oh, Fred, Fred Van Fleet," I would have maybe gotten it. Bam, I would have gotten it. Jimmy Butler, I would have understood it. Gordon Hayward, I would have understood even. I mean, I, I under, actually understand Randall. I understand Levine. I just don't understand why Vucevic in the All-Star game versus somebody like Sabonis or even somebody like Bam. I mean, maybe it's the case for Bam to be in the All-Star game, but, like, I'm confused, right? Why a team that is clearly not very good, um, right? The Pacers are one of the, I would say, best seven teams in the East, at least, and they're outperforming this year, you know, down to, you know, of their starters. They're still hanging hanging in there pretty well versus the magic are not a very good team and are probably even probably heading even in a worse direction on downward from basically kind of hanging flat right i just i don't get i don't really understand that one i get vooch is having a good season um but it seems like sabona should have been an officer over him right he's the one guy i have a really big kind of what the hell look right everybody else i get like i, I think the standings are less important because of obviously the clumping of the four through ten but the Magic are outside that fourth turn. They're the clearly worst team, and Vooch isn't making his team better because they're not very good. Where Sabonis clearly lifting the Pacer team up and holding them on his back. Now, 
you look at maybe you look at the the net rating and that's where you like say oh well he's not a, they're actually better with that on the court but he plays so many minutes that that doesn't I don't know that you know they're an average team so he's you know of course they'd be an average you know net rating with him on the court right but like the other you know that's no different than the other guys right Randall's team is average so are Tatum and, Tatum and Brown so like I don't even hold that against him I just don't understand the Vucevic pick over Sabonis that's the one I don't get I there's a lot of players I would have taken over Vucevic I just think I don't know I don't think you can reward Good stats, bad team guys. Sam reason Trey Young is in this game because of that. But I don't know. It's just that one really got me because I thought Sabonis. I thought, oh, he'll get snubbed because one of these guys averaging 25-plus points will get in or or one of those like historic all-stars like Jimmy Butler would get in over him. But Vucevic just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But it, it is what it is. I mean, that's that's what happened. I hope Sabonis can take the motivation from it to power this pace for team to maybe – a good end of this first half of the season, but I don't really understand it, and that's kind of where I where I want to leave this. Um, love to hear your guys' thoughts. You can tweet us at Lockdown Pacers. You can follow my co-host Tony at NBA. Follow me at Freeman Five on Twitter. That's all I got for Lockdown Pacers podcast. Uh, Tony will have a show tomorrow, previewing the weekend's games. Nice big double back to back coming up between uh, the Pacers and Celtics on Friday, and then the Pacers and Knicks on Saturday. So two good games against two teams they need to beat to kind of stay ahead of them in the NBA standings. That's all I got, and we'll see you guys tomorrow.